So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another week of Running Rugby Podcast and it's finals time, boys. Archie, Toby and Leo here with you and we finally get to talk about some finals action, Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Aotearoa on this weekend. Uh, we have the Reds hosting the Brumbies up at Suncorp and the Crusaders welcome the Chiefs down in Orange Series Stadium in Christchurch. Boys, we did have some games on the weekend, semi-final. The Brumbies took down the force. Um, then the last round of Super Rugby Aotearoa, we had the Hurricanes uh, take their second win of the season over the Highlanders. Uh, the Blues uh, managed a win over a sort of B, B-grade um, Chiefs team as they were resting a lot of players ahead of the final anyway. First off, semi-final, force. What were your thoughts? Look, I think the force just didn't have enough points in them to actually really contest that game. I think they defended pretty well. I think they frustrated the Brumbies at times, but they never really looked like threatening their line enough to actually win the game. And so I think as a spectacle, that suffered a little bit. But, you know, they they did an admirable job. And I think, you know, the Brumbies, we always thought they were going to win well in this one. And that was the result in the end, really. Um and I think eyes were always focused on what is set to be a very um, a very interesting spectacle for the final. So, look, the Force had a successful season, but hopefully next year they can build upon this and, um, yeah, just maybe work on scoring some more points in games. And this is the same sort of problem the Reds had a few years back. So it just takes a little bit more, perhaps a couple of players in, in that back line, um, you know, a bit more cohesion. And I think they'll improve their attacking structures and yeah, they'll be able to score more points in the future. Yeah, I agree that they held out the Brumbies quite well, even with the red card uh, to Tony Pulu. It was actually a pretty impressive effort to keep the Brumbies contained. The Brumbies looked a lot less slick. Um, they didn't get a lot going. It needed the force that there was a lot of spilled balls, very stop start. Um, I think probably as you said, the force suffer from a bit of turnover in the back line, a bit of change, some um, unplanned changes late, you know, playing guys like Henry Tafu off the bench who I don't think we've seen in uh, weeks. Um, you know, these guys haven't been in the mix week to week and, and that just rotation they had forced upon them really probably stunted their attack. But the forwards, I mean, the forwards are the, probably the shining light, really. If, if the backs can click into gear, with a few more games strung together. Um, this force team will, will shake any team next year. And this week probably is just too much to coming off a big Reds win. Yeah, like, as you said, I think that they're getting close. And their defence, I mean, 33 minutes before a point was scored um, in this game. So defence on both sides, I think, was pretty good. Um, what did you think of the Tony Pulu red card? Um, third man into the tackle, wrapping with one arm. Was was there any mitigating factors with a player that's already been half tackled with two other players taking down Ray Simone? 
tricky. Like to be involved in that tackle, we only really had a fairly sort of high um, area to go for, and, and he couldn't really wrap much of an arm. He, he to me looked a bit more like he was bracing, um, kind of got himself in an awkward spot, being the third man in defence, and and just couldn't really you know do anything with himself. Just kind of stood and, and leant into it. But I mean, you've got to either believe that you can be a useful part of a tackle and, and then go through with it or just pull out. Like he probably didn't need to be there. Um, probably not worth standing there and, and taking the knock. He needs to get out of the way and make sure that he can't um, shoulder Simone in the head in that situation. It's just, you know, got to, got to pick your opportunities and that wasn't really worth being a part of that one. So it deserved a red? By the definition, it has to get a red. It's direct contact to the head with with force. Um, no and, mitigating you know, factors? That's where well, I thought I was unsure about. Well, unless you think that, you know, if if there hadn't been two other defenders there, he could have made a, a cleaner shot, not high. But, you know, you, you, you're kind of in that position. You've chosen to be there. And if you're trying to make contact or you're not avoiding the contact, then... No, I don't think there's anything that mitigates that. Not not in the traditional sense we've seen. Like I, I think the ref would have been probably just trying to preserve the game a little bit if he tried to claim there was a mitigating factor there. It, it probably isn't in any of the, the bullet points they're given that kind of situation. I don't know. I'd still have a I think I still have a problem with these red cards being handed out um so easily. Um, you know, by the look of that, I think it deserves a yellow. You know, the game was probably lucky it wasn't spoilt by the red card lasting the whole game. Um, so the 20-minute rule there has helped a bit. Um, but I think we probably need to look at the interpretation of the rules if we're going to be giving a red card for an offence like that. Because, you know, when it comes to the international forums, um, international fixtures, like those red cards, if they're early on in the game, they're pretty much going to ruin that test match. Um so I think we've got to be careful that it just doesn't – I just think it's going to interrupt and ruin a lot of spectacles in the international game if that's the interpretation we're going with. If In hindsight, when they start looking at how many cards have been dealt out and the, the situations they've been dealt out, you know, does there come a point where they say, we don't think we can get the players to change their behaviour and improve their their technique when they're tackling because that's the point of having a surge of cards early is that you you're trying to change the behavior but how long do you persevere with it in this way like is it the wrong kind of um is it the wrong kind of penalty or the like the wrong kind of um handicap to give the team um is there something else they can do that makes them change their behavior or does do they need to change the guidance and say look this stuff that's sort of awkward accidental we can't take out of the game. If we can't take it out, do we want such a severe penalty when it's it's almost Correct. misfortune? Correct. But I mean, it's hard because then you know you, then you're debating the grey areas between deliberate and accidental, but and I you can't you afford can... to have anything loose that could be considered accidental but damaging. I think often we can tell when something is more by accident if someone gets in a slightly awkward position. And yeah, I think you're right. It it has to be a balance between. You know, if you want these guys to be playing at full tilt in a contact sport at that sort of, you know, that sort of pace for game, people are going to get in awkward positions. Things are going to go wrong. Um, I just think we have to be a little bit smarter with the way we're interpreting. That's what I mean. Like if, if we can't, if they can't manage the player's technique 
by giving the cards and enforcing that behavior change, then there must be a certain amount, which is just semi unavoidable. And is that part of the players take a risk of being in the game? Everyone makes their best effort, but there is also this bundle of situations, which we can't seem to manage out. And we want to be able to reduce the impact on the, on the experience, on the, on the product. Um, so that those sorts of accidents don't get, you know, fans frustrated, refs copying a massive mouthful from spectators and the media later, um, and just, you know, just generally supporting the product to, to be a good, good view yeah. for 80 minutes. I think you almost have to, it's really hard now that you've gone to that red card and you've talked about player safety to now drop it down. Um, but I think you're right. It's not none of, I don't think I've seen an intentional act that's been um, resulting in a red card this season. Aside from being punched in the head. There's been some some hands thrown. Uh, There's been some pretty heavy, there's been some pretty heavy shots, but I don't think the majority of them haven't really had ill intent on the person, say, carrying the ball. They've been pretty, guys like Farmacilli, where he slides up a bit and catches the head. But I think all in all, players are being more disciplined than in the past. I think they're mindful of these interpretations, but they just can't be perfect. And then all it takes is one player per game to make a decent mistake and then bang, the whole game gets flipped on its head. But do you think that's the difference between reckless and kind of deliberately dangerous, which, you know, reckless still needs to be penalised because you need to be less reckless, but there's still some room. There's got to be some room for sort of incidental accidental um and you know i I hate it i don't don't like refing based on outcome rather than on potential but maybe that's where they they're allowed their gray area like this is an accident yeah it's contact to the head but there's nothing's come of it we're not going to wreck the game for this maybe we do need the introduction for for test matches of you know a middle ground uh, an orange card or something like that where you do get 20 minutes off so you do have different levels that you can go to and a red card is a red card. You go off, you miss the whole game. Maybe we do need a, a you know a mid tier to be looking yeah. at. Um, I don't think that's going to make it too complicated. Referees, I think, almost are almost stuck in a position where they need to give a red. Well, they know it's worse than the other law. They don't like, really want to do it. They yeah. like to have some sort of other option to go to. And in yeah. league, we said you know you go and report or something, um, and it gets looked at later. But I think in rugby, you know, if we did have a card that you know, like we see in, in Super Rugby, 20 minutes, you get 20 minutes off, you bring another player on and maybe that's an orange card. That's another discussion to have. But I just that's think it. referees are struggling really with this interpretation as well because um, they yeah. don't want to ruin the game, of course, as well. Absolutely. I think benefits, I mean, teams are a lot better at dealing with defending with 14 players now and attacking with 14 players. Um, they're much more used to it. They practice it. Um, which is a thing that I don't think teams did in the past because it's almost um, a certainty that at some point every one or two games that you're going to have to play um, a man down for a certain period of time. Um, Benefits I saw in this game from the Brumbies, I know you said they're a little bit um, haphazard, I think, at times, but uh, Iki Tau coming back and showing a bit more damaging performance that so we've seen him be a bit quiet for a few weeks and then Valentini continues to impress me um, with his running and his defence as well um, on the force side guys do you guys have like a, 
MVP for the Super Rugby AU season, someone that you think stood up um, particularly this season and maybe you're looking for a bit more um, to going into Trans-Tasman for them to have a bit more success? I think it's been, it's been hard with the force because a lot of guys have really stood up. Almost you could go to someone like Jeremy Thrush, I think has been huge for them again this year. Probably a bit of an unsung hero. Um, they have had a lot of players come in and out of that team. Um, and guys like even Fergus Lee Warner, um, who we did see, in fact, I think start in this game. Um, yeah. Did he start or did he come on? No, he started. Did in they this. swap that? I can't remember. They swapped it back. They swapped it around from what the team list they gave out initially. So he started. Okay. Yeah, I just think that there's a lot of guys that perhaps we were used to seeing stand up, but that's shifted a little bit this year. And we've had, I think, Richard Kahui would make a strong case. Um, but yeah, in terms of someone this week to week bringing it, who's played, you know, the majority of the minutes, I think Jeremy Thrush is just, he's been incredible for them as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I was thinking Richard Kahui, even though he's been coming off the bench and also not featuring in some games, the, the number of moments he has had a hand in um, getting them up on other teams and, and, you know, keeping them in matches was, you know, numerous. So um, definitely gets a big pat on the back. And, and that's kind of a, a theme, I guess, that there's a lot of guys, as you said, have come in and out. There's some who haven't been an every week player or some of them been an every week starter, but they've all made their contributions. And this is a, a team that's, you know, added up to being quite a, quite a competitive side with a bunch of individuals just really putting in the hard yards. Um, I noticed in the, um, I think it was the rugby pass team of the, uh, Super Rugby AU team of the season, they, they'd thrown a couple of the front rows for the force in between. Yeah. Um, particularly Robertson. Like, I, I mean, I didn't think he was going all that great early in the year, kind of looked a little bit um, sort of, you know, on the, on the downslide career-wise, but certainly stepped it up. Um, later this season, and Archie, you pointed out he's been challenging the Brumbies um, set piece and the red set piece, like disrupting those two settled sides is no mean feat. And I guess that's why he was viewed as a as a senior, as a veteran um, and a valuable asset to the force when they when they picked him up from the Tars. Yeah, and I think Kaito as well, um, probably not as an MVP player, but as an improving um, player, so it seems, I think we've already mentioned it, that since he's been named in that um, national interest squad, um, that he's start, certainly stepped up his game a little bit. I think he can still be a bit haphazard in his set piece and in his line-out throwing, um, but his work around the field has really, I think, taken up a notch. And I'd be particularly looking um, for him to stand up even more as they go to the Trans-Tasman comp. Hmm. Yeah, and I agree. I think Robertson is definitely someone who, He's still got a lot of good years in his career. Like he had a lot of yeah. success early on at the Waratahs, um, selected for the Wallabies, obviously, and then went off the boil. We know that he, you know, been studying medicine in his spare time, and I don't know what he's doing with that now. But um, you know, he's obviously a smart guy, and I think he probably is someone that the Wallabies still do need to keep an eye on at loose head, particularly if you've got someone like Slipper struggling with injury. I think Tom Robertson. There's plenty, there's plenty of worse guys out there you could go to. He's pretty reliable. And I think now that he's back to full fitness, um, yeah, he's a guy that should definitely be on the radar. Yeah, not to forget about. Um, in terms of the Aotearoa final round, guys, do you guys have much to, to add here or do you want to get into a bit of finals chat um, a little bit? Um, 
all, all I have to add is Dane Coles is a, is a grub, but I think we all knew that. Um, copped a yellow card, just saying, just telling, just telling the ref that girls just want to have fun, I think is what his quote was. Um, but yeah. Well, you got another two years of him. I think he's extended <sighs> to the end of 2023. So plenty more of him to come. He's, he's definitely a grub. He's, um, he's for, for a long time being a grub you'd, you'd rather have in your team than not though. He's, um, there's, I think he needs to put the elbows away. Like he just doesn't need that kind of stuff in his game where he's getting the attention of the ref, particularly when he's a captain. It's not a good look. Um, but there's, so there's something in that hurricane side. Hey, like I, I, I tipped them uh, last minute. I, I stuck with um, the gut feel that the home team probably had this one, even though the, the Highlanders looked decent and they ended up blowing them out. And I think that they're just starting to find a bit of form and, and, maybe sharing the load is working for them after having mm. Artie Severe carrying them and being such a prominent figure all the way through until his injury. Now they're having to work together a bit more. We're seeing a bit less of Geordie stepping in up into the back line, a bit more of Ruben Love um, yeah, he, playing his he hand. Yeah, definitely stepping up and taking it to the line a lot more this game. Yeah, and and it's yeah, it's just coming along. So they're, they're building. Obviously, they've had a pretty hopeless Atoraua season. They've only taken the two wins in both against the Highlanders. But... At least now they've they've got a little bit of momentum and and they're going to get a what what you would imagine is a fairly soft game against the Waratahs potentially in Sydney hopefully not but it, it could well be a, a nice soft start for them um, yeah that they, could be the bit of the dark horse upset merchants in this in this series yeah I, I can see that happening um, I do have to apologise we did talk about um, the Blues and the Chiefs being a live game last weekend. Um, what I didn't realise is the primary sort of tiebreaker um, being total wins. So the Chiefs were already through and that's why they put together a bit of a, a B-grade side sort of resting uh, most of their sort of starters um, for this game. Um, unfortunately, one of the only starters that sort of played in this game was um, Bryn Gatlin um, and he still looked sort of subpar in this sort of team of um, otherwise not very well-known players. So I think that's probably one of their biggest um, concerns moving forward to the finals next week. So Crusaders, Chiefs. Crusaders looking to make it five titles in a row. Do the Chiefs have what it takes to stop them or is, was the two losses the Crusaders suffered this year still just blips on the radar and it's business as, as usual for Scotty Robinson? I actually, yeah, I think it's business as usual. And I, I think I indicated that the last week or two. I think that they, you know, they've had, they haven't had a perfect season, but I think the quality is still there. Um, you know, their way of playing is still very much instilled. And I don't think that that's going to really count against them come this week. I think that the Chiefs, with the, a couple of the key injuries they've had, um, I think it, it's going to be tough for them. You know, I think that the Chiefs have surpassed expectations this year after disappointing last year. But yeah, I think the Crusaders are still at another tier. Um, so I have no doubt that they'll be able to get the job done. Do you reckon the Chiefs are at a place now where they're like, oh, we've already accomplished what we needed to this season? Like they're, they're already sort of happy with where they've got to after a winless um, season last year? I don't think players would be happy 
with with sort of just that as a as a benchmark improvement. Like obviously they'll be happy they didn't have another season of losses, but for them they're now in the final and they want silverware. They want you know the beers that you have when you're celebrating a big win. Um, they're they're all competitive guys and, and professional sports people, so no doubt they're taking this very seriously. Um, I think I think the Crusaders do eventually win, but you know their first matchup at uh, Crusaderland this year was a blowout, but it was actually quite close to half time, and then the um, Crusaders really ran away with it, and the Chiefs hadn't found themselves again just yet. And then the follow up game. Mackenzie only got it at the death by, you know, they, they kept themselves close, but he really only got it right at the death with one of those last minute penalty goals. So, um, you know, you'd expect that the Crusaders have rightfully got the favoritism for this game. Uh, it's at home. They're looking fairly healthy. They're, they're missing a couple of people, but ultimately they're still pretty, pretty strong. We know they've got huge depth. Um, I don't think there's many, many, um, downsides. I don't think as many handicaps they've got coming into this game. I think they're ready to make it five on the trot. If they win Trans-Tasman as well, does it mean that six on the trot? Or does it just... I still think there's asterisks against these you know, these competitions, these domestic competitions. You know, I like I liked the fact that we celebrate the fact that the Force made their first Super Rugby finals, you know, in their history. But... You know, it's um, it's never the same if you're not playing against primarily the Kiwi teams. You know, that just I think really yeah. solidifies that sort of achievement. You know, it's it's nice to celebrate what we have in AU and Aotearoa, you know, separately. And who knows exactly when this competition will be brought back together? That's not certain for next year. We think it's going to happen, but perhaps not if COVID keeps going like it is. So. I think it's good to celebrate those milestones, but yeah, let's. Uh, I think we should still need to really consider Trans Tasman as being the pinnacle almost um, at this stage in time. Um, and yeah, we're adding in obviously the Pacific Islands hopefully next year, and that might take it to another level again. But um, yeah, you can't you can't be too generous to the Crusaders. They've got enough too titles. Many titles. Out Fair enough. Um, so final tips for this. Everyone's probably taking the Crusaders. That's where the money would be. Is anyone tipping it um, going to be less than five points? No. I, th- I think it'll be a little bit more than five points. Um, at the moment, the the yeah the odds are heavily with the Crusaders and the lines getting up around 10, and that feels about right. I don't think this is going to be you know a single, a single try or a, a penalty kind of margin that someone can pinch at the death. If the, if the Chiefs are going to win, they need to get out in front early and put on some real points because the Crusade, you know the Crusaders are going to put on 24 bare minimum, right? That's just going to happen. So they're, they're, they're going to have to go and outscore them. I think they need to get up around 30 to have a chance. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think that just teams naturally, particularly teams that aren't as experienced in finals football, do tend to tighten up a little bit in these games. Um but I think the Crusaders will take this in their stride and I'd be picking them for a, by about 12. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And then it's, again, the the forward pack that, where the Chiefs have had those injuries where you think that they might struggle against a more experienced um, Crusaders pack. Um, and if you're, if you're not holding your own in scrums and lineouts, you're, you're going to be in trouble. 
and uh, you don't have a, a magician like Moanga there to make up the difference. If there's a Chiefs forward pack not going forwards, there's going to be a Bryn Gatlin rapidly going backwards. Would we not call Damien McKenzie a bit of a magician? Yeah, but he's not going to be standing at 10 off all his set pieces unless they get really desperate. I mean, he, he might decide to do that early if Bryn is going to. backwards. Um, all right, boys, let's talk about Super Rugby AU. I sit here and I'm looking at Toby. He's wearing a Tongan Thor T-shirt right now. Um, I don't think I've ever seen him more proud of himself um, than, than rocking a little bit of Taniella on his chest. Does this mean you're going for the Reds, mate? Yeah, look, I was actually thinking the Brumbies would turn it around in the final this year and um, after this season, obviously, with the Reds defeating them in both fixtures. I just get the feeling that the Reds are poised to actually get it done this year. And the Brumbies, I think, although they were solid against the force, I think as well with some of the injuries they've been struggling with, um, you know, particularly James Slipper, I think losing um, Samu is a big one. I think just some of the reshuffling they've had to do is going to make it tough for them. And the Reds, you know, I think they'll be really supercharged for this one. I think the biggest doubt, obviously, Paisami is it's going to be difficult to overcome that, but we've seen them do it before during the regular season. So, yeah, I think I'm on, I'm on the Reds bandwagon. I think they can go one better this year. They've made some interesting decisions and, and probably some very tough um, selections for this week. Uh, no doubt putting Liam Wright back on the bench um, was, was yeah, like that, that's that's a big call. Like the, they didn't get probably what they expected or hoped they'd get from him in that last game that they lost to the force. Um, he came back in, he was the captain, but he didn't really um, play up to the level that most of the Reds players have, have kept up through this season. So it's a big call, but I think it's the right call. They've, they've moved him back to the bench they brought Angus Scott Young back up to six. They've got Ryan Smith in the second row. Like that's that's their form. That's their big, biggest group of form players out on the park. So the starting eight at the front are very strong uh, for you know in form this season. And then the back lines are only really suffering from not having Paisami. And while that's massive, at least they're fielding uh, a combination that's now had a couple of games and and beaten the Brumbies as well. Uh, after Paisami went out, he had this combination with Stuart and Fluke, and it you know it it did the job. So um, the the Reds certainly are ready to win this final. That's what I would say. They're they're ready. They can. They're playing at home, um, and they've done this. You know they've been so mentally strong against the Brumbies with James O'Connor holding the captaincy twice this year. Uh, I I can see them winning, but. No doubt the Brumbies have something special for this final. I don't think it'll be a, a blowout. I think it's going to be another grinding close one. And I hope for the Reds. Like I, I back the Reds because I believe they will win. But also really hope they do. I think they deserve it. It's a just reward for a big season. And another Reds and Brumbies game is what we deserve as the adoring public because those games have been the highlight, I think, of either side of the competition. Um, they've been absolute showstoppers. Um, watching either of those down in Canberra and up in Suncorp this year. Um, I think you're right. It's exactly the same similar combination that uh, they had to take on and they had to shuffle late with Fluke coming in, Paisami going out just hours before the game last time in Suncorp, and they managed to get the win. 
I am surprised with some of the selection changes for the Brummies. As you mentioned, Toby Slipper not there. Flau Fainga moved to the bench and Lachlan Lonigan, Nos Lonigan getting the start at hooker. Fainga may be carrying an injury. I was just um, doing a quick read before that he may, he came off a bit early last week. So maybe there's a niggle there they're not talking about. Yeah, maybe potentially. I was, because I couldn't see another reason why you'd take probably a less damaging sort of scrummager at least. I mean, Nos Lonigan's probably faster around the park and maybe a bit higher work rate. And they have added weight with moving Nick Frost on, into number six, but I don't know if he's going to be sort of um, adding overall to their attacking prowess. Um, rather, it's probably a good defensive addition for them. But yeah, if you line if you line the back rows up against each other, it definitely tips towards the the Reds now um, with that sort of combination of um, Scott Young and um, Mick Wright and Wilson there, pretty standard combination versus the relative unknowns of Frost and um, old Mini Poe, um, Rory Scott um, on seven for the Brumbies with Valentine. Yeah, I th- I think the the Reds can get the best the better of sorry of the of the Brumbies forward pack in this game, and I really do like the look of the Reds bench with guys like Murphy coming on, Seru Uru, Liam Wright, Dalgunu. Like, there's some real quality there that can come on, you know, in the last 20 minutes and really lift the Reds to another level. Um, yeah, and I just think some of those key injuries for the Brumbies will it'll be hard for them to overcome. You know, Suncorp is such a tough place to play. Um, there'll be a big crowd up there. And I think the Reds are just, they bided their time up to this point. I think they'll, they'll be refreshed and focused this week. And like we've talked about, Brad Thorne just makes the hard calls when he has to, you know, we've been wondering where Angus Blythe has been this year. He's dropped him. He's born in Ryan Smith, obviously seen something in him, whether at training or otherwise. And, you know, we've been impressed by him coming in. So, you know, I think Brad Thorne is just, he, he does what needs to be done to win and he does, you know, what's best for the team. And I think even if you have to put your captain back on the bench for this one, it's not an easy decision to make, but I think like you guys say, it's the right one to, at this time. I think um, he hasn't quite hit his straps yet. Boys, do you see the Reds just gaining dominance early in this game and holding on to it? I still... Man, the way like some of the outside backs and Icky Tower playing for the Brumbies, like Wright and Muirhead are playing so well at the moment. I do feel like they do have a little bit of ascendancy over their Reds counterparts out there. If if they can hold down the set piece and we know their mall is still going to be strong no matter who you put into it. I still, I don't know if I can conclusively say that I think the Reds are going to take it, even being at home. I think it'll be a grind, no doubt. And I think it'll be it'll be five points, you know, I think by the end of this one. I'm, I'm not thinking it's going to be a Reds blowout or anything like that. I think the Brumbies are quality. Um, the guy like Tom Wright really does scare me when he gets going. He can score from anywhere. Tom Banks is quality. There's so much. There's great combinations in that Brumbies back line, like I said before. But it, it really takes the forwards to unlock that. And I just think this, the Reds are good enough to stifle that Brumbies pack. Yeah, I agree. The The Reds structurally in defence are just so strong. The preparation they do for these games, they, they will recognise um, the types of plays that they're trying to set, you know, Banks to come cutting through or, or Tom Wright out wide taking a, taking a high ball. He's up against Patea, so there's, you know, a huge blockbuster clash one-on-one there just in and of itself. Uh, if those two are playing at their best, 
Um, I think the Reds just as a unit are just, they will be well-drilled and well-prepared enough to be able to stop, you know, just about anything the Brumbies throw at them. The Brumbies are going to have to be amazing out the, out the um, outside backs. But, you know, Ikitao is such a dynamic player and he's looked so good the last week and or two. Like he's he's the guy that can make that break and, you know, beat beat Josh Fluke. Like, you know, you put, put a move on Fluke, Fluke does everything right but still can't make the tackle. And then suddenly you've got a, a combination of Ikitao Banks and Muirhead or saying running at Hegarty and um, and Josh Jock Campbell with a bit of coverage from Tate. Like that, you know, that's the sort of situation that we're going to see. And that's, that's where scary. the Brumbies scary. will be hopefully be able to score some points to keep this nice and even, which is what I think will happen. Did you see um, Tom Wright in the post-game interview um, when they asked him about the second disallowed try on the weekend, um, which was, it was ruled to be out. And he said, um, no, mate, I was in. No, I think they need to improve the technology up here. There a few frames missing, I think. He's got a point, though. Sometimes it really is like a matter of a couple of frames and you would think that they could, you know, just provide a few more, like I, even if they double the, the frame rate. Yeah, I love the confidence, though. In that, in it's that like the time. cricket. Yeah, get the ultra-slow motion, right? Yeah, ultra-slow yeah, motion. Yeah, where's that extra frame? I actually thought that was a try. I think they missed looking at that backward angle. Um more closely, I think he was just in. But again, he's that type of guy. He just most of the time he is in when he scores those tries. He's great at tip, like tucking his legs in. You know, he's really got that finishing ability. And I think the Brumbies, yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised if the Brumbies did come away with it. Um, oh, I've switched him. No, no, but just on paper, he's hedging, hedging heavily. On paper, I think the Reds have the team, the lineup on paper is just slightly better than the Brumbies. And I think they've been the slightly better team all year and it showed in the results. It's a shame they haven't been undefeated, but I don't think that that doesn't change anything. If anything, that probably gave them more motivation in that, that bye week, um, you know, watching the force and Brumbies play, I think the Reds would be so motivated. Yeah. That, that last loss is a nice cold slap in the face. It just, you know, shocked them back into you know, if you do not play well and make all the right decisions when you need to, you can lose these games that you're expected to win and they won't be um, taking anything for granted this week. So, tips. Toby, you're on the Reds? Yeah, Reds by five. Leo, on the Reds? Yeah, just for just for variety's sake, I can't say five, even though that's, that's where I feel it'll be. I'll... Um, I'll take the the Reds by ten. I pick up a pick up a late one just to just to put icing on the cake. And I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to take the Brumbies here by three points. I just think I think it might yeah it might just go. I think it's the great thing about this. What what makes me happy? You know, even though we have a great match up here. I'm just so looking forward to seeing both these team teams, you know, really go up against the the top New Zealand sides. I think that's where it's going to be a huge payoff for Australian rugby fans because we've had this almost this culture of winning with these two teams in the last couple of years. And I think with Trans Tasman finally they get that opportunity to show really how good they are. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. I think the Kiwis actually you know, some of the commentators over over there actually do know that. They've recognised the fact that 
particularly these two teams have taken it to a new level. Um, you know, both in consistency and just attacking flair. Um, I think they're really going to put a dent in the next competition. And of course, this is going to be a huge title for whoever wins this week. But there's another prize to be won, you know, further down yeah. the track. And I think that's, you know, it's huge. And I think it's huge for Australian rugby rolling into um, the rugby championship, particularly. That's right. Yeah. And I think a lot of New Zealand teams are going to get a bit of a rude shock when they play these Australian teams that they remember from a couple of years ago um, as a bit sort of passive, a little bit um, meek, and they're going to come with a totally different mindset um, into trans-Tasman footy. And you mentioned the rugby championship, Toby, but we've got July test window as well coming up. Um, And the big news out of that is the fact that Italy has pulled out of their two-match tour of New Zealand um, so the All Blacks are now left. They did have one game lined up against Fiji. They're looking at now extending that to two games um, and whether they further try and get another um, Pacific Islands team, whether that's Samoa, um, Tonga or a combined team into play uh, as their third game or whether they bring back the North versus South Island clash um, again as sort of their third sort of um, event for July. But when you compare that to what Australia is going to have in well, hopefully that we see the French team coming down, um, that again, may be a much more sort of a tougher challenge, but may, may mean that we're all the better for that heading into the rugby championship with that um, challenging opposition coming through. Yeah, I think that's huge. And, you know, we want to see New Zealand as well match up as, against some of these top sides, but it is a huge advantage for Australia to be playing against France in a three-test competition where we always see some good narratives come through. The teams learn about each other because they're playing consecutive weeks. And, you know, the French team is such an exciting young team on the up and up. I think it's a really tough, actually tough challenge for the Wallabies. Um, So it's a great way to start the international test window. Um, Hopefully New Zealand can sort out what they're doing. Um, But the North-South derby you know, from last year, I think was a huge success. So I'd like to see that again. Um, but yeah, just some great rugby to come and trans Tasman's going to be huge. And then we roll on straight into that international test window. That's right. There's just no breaks for it at the moment. Um, the other thing from the weekend that I was out at Eden Park to watch the Blues Chiefs game, but prior to that, they did have a bit of an exhibition match between the Blues women and the Chiefs women, um, which the Chiefs women... Um, took in a pretty thrilling game, actually. Uh, we did have some uh, one of the highlight tries um, up on our uh, Facebook and Instagram story earlier in the week. Um, but this is just a precursor to what 2022 will come and it will be a um, Super Rugby women's comp in New Zealand. Uh, potentially only four franchises with a combined Southern Ireland franchise at this stage. But it's just exciting time when taking the momentum of rugby at the moment and you'll see that. And then if you're adding in a Super W competition, hopefully we'll see uh, another version of a trans-Tasman um, competition arise between uh, these two competitions as well. Yeah, absolutely. The women's game in Australia has gotten better for having its Super W and while there was still a bit of an imbalance in, in the sides with New Zealand, uh, sorry, New South Wales and Queensland being very strong. Uh, other teams had their moments and came along, and no doubt New Zealand will have its lot to show as well. It'd be great to be seeing um, double headers, Trans Tasman, 
in a few years' time. That'd be awesome. And I think the other important thing is it will bring a lot of, like, um, a lot of the women that are playing, that have played rugby, but they end up going and playing in the women's NRL or the AFLW in Australia, um, just having a bit more of a settled competition, a bit more, especially an international competition with New Zealand, will really bring a little bit more attention and probably keep some of the bigger names um, of these female athletes in rugby union as well. Yeah, developing that competition, I think, needs to be a priority of Rugby Australia and, and obviously, like, getting the New Zealanders involved as soon as it's sort of sensible and, and the balance is right. You know, it's got massive potential games for drawing crowds and, and extra players in and making it feel more like a all-family type, type game, something for everyone. Yeah, and I think with the Women's World Cup being switched to next year, you know, that's a big year for women's rugby, obviously, 2022. Um, we got the Olympics hopefully going ahead this year with sevens and stuff. But I think the way the world's changed a little bit in the last 12 months with COVID, it's been a lot harder for, for some of these sevens competitions to go ahead. And so, um, you know, some of the exposure for rugby's been diminished for women through that. Um, so I think, you know, the focus on the 15-man game or 15-woman game, I think, is, is going to be increasingly important. Looking around the world as we love to do, um, MLR continues to roll on. We had a doubleheader in LA Coliseum over the weekend. San Diego Legion went down to the New England Free Jacks, 33-17. Giltinis continue to roll, 47-17. And my God, did you see JP Smith putting through the grubber for DTH van der Merver on the weekend? I think that was his first of two tries as well. The, I think they call him the Tiger King um, over there with his bleached blonde hair. Um, but some some amazing rugby again from the Giltinis. Uh, Nola Gold took down my Toronto Arrows 22-14. And I didn't tip them. Oh. No, everyone tipped when Put it was huge on points Toronto, Toronto. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and the Seattle yeah. Seawolves, uh, they've fallen off a cliff now with um, New York um, United um, taking taking the points just by two, 23 to 21 there. So LMLR continue to roll on. Lots of entertainment coming out of that that sport as well. Through some sort of miracle, I'm still first in Australia for NLR tipping. I'm fifth. <laughs> I'm fifth. Archie's coming. How many, how many people you're are there? Fifth. Like 10. Hang on. In Australia, Arch, you're seventh according to my table. Oh, have I dropped? Oh, yeah, you have dropped by two. I'm, damn I'm, I'm one point clear of everyone and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's been very up and down with the, with the tipping so far. Either you bang on the nose or you're the wrong side and the, you know, far off the margin. But, uh, yeah, look, there's, it's a lot of fun keeping track of this too. And uh, if you're like me and even if you've got um, you know, not a lot of time, you can spare a few moments for highlights, you might be able to get first in Australia or 19th globally somehow. Amazing, Leo. It's, it's the only competition you do get um, correct in your tipping, so enjoy it. Enjoy it, man. Um, speaking of highlights as well, and a uh, bit of a shout-out, James O'Connor, I think he's pretty much promised us now that he's going to pull out the um, M&M haircut, the bleach blonde hair for this weekend's final. So, I mean, it, it's down in writing, mate, so now, now you have to commit to it. Um, we've seen the many faces of James O'Connor, so one more can't hurt, Jock. One thing that, that's worthy of discussion, particularly viewing the the futures of the three teams from Australia going into this trans-Tasman comp with no final to play this weekend, um, the Rebels uh, now have had Dave Wessel's 
a step down from from coaching that side. He's he's decided to throw his hat in and um, let someone else get the experience as an interim uh, for the Trans Tasman series, which we 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 know we'd heard from the board that he was you know being backed by them. He, he sort of in, in his um, parting parting words, he he mentioned that he really appreciated the experience he got as an interim coach when when the last force coach left before he started and and that was saying which he wanted to pass on, give someone else the opportunity where he felt like they'll I guess he felt like it was kind of inevitable that he wasn't going to do well enough with the with the uh, rebels and and stay on, even though he'd committed to, you know, oh we we can potentially win this trans Tasman thing. I think that was a, a very, very long shot. Um mm. and and with that also Sean Byrne has departed. So now yeah. the the Rebels have an interim coach in place. Um, Parling is still there to assist. And apparently the Wallabies uh, coaching group is going to sort of lend a hand in support of the Rebels through this trans-Tasman season, which it's nice that they can spare a few people to do that. And it's probably just what the force needs is a bit of um, experienced oversight um, from the Wallabies kind of angle to, to set them up with a few ideas and a few strategies for the remainder of the season. So, yeah, it's Kevin Foote um, who's taken the interim head coach role who was the defensive coach, which is probably one of the strongest parts of the Rebels game. And Jeff Parling is, as you said, staying on. Um, I, I do want to see, like, the Wallabies, like, impact or influence in there. I think it's a really good um, chance to implement what a lot of the Kiwi sort of franchises do where they, they um, train their super rugby teams to play um, a lot of the tactically um, tactics that the All Blacks use. So when those players step up, they are stepping straight into a similar system um, and it really helps um, improve sort of that transition. So I think it's a really good option for um, the Rebels to start themselves as a bit of a, a farm club. They already have a lot of young sort of talent down there, um, start implementing the, the tactics and the roles that they're going to have at international level. And that's also a bit of a sandbox for the Wallabies coaches to try a few things, potentially like not with the, the players who they expect, but maybe just some ideas that they're, they're considering for the Wallabies. Um, it's it's sort of a bit annoying. I know they have these pony squads. It seems very focused on the players, not so much um, links to the teams, like the club teams and their and their strategies. Like if you if you're going to develop a really strong national side, you'd think you'd be trying to involve the the club coaches at some point and trying to lay out a bit of a plan and say, look, this is where we think the future of competitive um, rugby is, this this style of play with the rules that are coming through and try and get them all a bit on the same page. They can all have their own character, but that's how you develop a, you know, teams like graded teams in a club. You want them all playing the same style. So when players step up, they're ready to play into that format. I guess what's disappointing for me is that you know, was this a case of, um, was this a case of vessels being jumping before he was pushed? Um, or was it a conversation that he had with the CEO owner, whoever to stay on? And then he's just changed his mind on that. And so he's kind of left them in the lurch a little bit. Um, and that's the reason for the Wallabies guys coming in, whatever the reason is. I mean, it's not ideal for the rebels. Um, you know, they've tough, they've taken a tough blow, missing their super AU finals, 
now they're going into a five-game competition, obviously, in TT. That's going to be really, really tough. Um, they've lost guys like Hodge. I think it's going to be a really difficult campaign for them now. But, you know, there's still some key guys there for the Wallabies that can be persevered with, I think. You know, obviously, Matt Tamua is central to that team, as Tim Horan loves to keep reminding us of. Um, but I do think they need to probably bring some really new kind of, I guess, some new tactics to what they're doing, some new energy, um, and maybe just really chance their arm in this competition and go for points because at the moment there's really nothing for them to lose. You know, we don't know who's going to be coaching there next year. And, yeah, it's an opportunity to really try something different. So I hope they do that. And it's just something I think as a, on a separate note, um, Stan Sport released some of their numbers um, this week, which were quite encouraging. I think we saw up to nearly 150,000 subscribers for Stan Sport itself and at least half of them coming from new people that have joined the platform entirely. So, I mean, that's a pretty good result given we're only just into the, the rugby season, you know, a few months in. We haven't really hit our straps with Super Rugby TT at all and the international fixtures. So it's obviously attracting enough interest there. And I think as the platform grows, as we add new content, um, you know, things like Major League Rugby could be added. There's a whole lot of room for expansion here. And I think for a, for a platform that's in its infancy and with some of the commentators that, join, that have joined, I think it's really gelled together well pretty quickly. And, and so, yeah, I think they've done a really good job and, you know, I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far. And I think as soon as the Wallabies are involved as well, I think they're going to take it to another level. Yeah. And just adding on to that, I reckon, you know, like you said, the the commentary team and the extra stuff they put together, like Rugby Heaven, um, has just been impressive throughout the season. Um, it's on Thursday night, which might be tonight if you're depending on when you're listening to this. So make sure you tune in either live or watch it on replay. I think it's going to be well worth a watch, especially for these finals previews um, going on. And yeah, I guess we'll be back with previews when we arch next week for, for TT, hopefully, if we have time. SR2T. You know, like things keep moving pretty quickly. So we've got a couple of good finals games here and then straight into the Trans-Tasman competition, which is going to be huge. Absolutely huge. Until next week, guys, make sure you are staying tuned to us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. Uh, Great to have you around again this week. Keep on running. Run. How much you love Tom and Thor. I love Tom and Thor. <laughs> more and more. Every week that goes by. <laughs>